One of the most profound warnings, I think, in the Old Testament shows up in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, where God is basically telling the generation that's about ready to go into the promised land, that when you settle into the promised land, and now you have homes, and you have land, and you have flocks, and you have herds, and you grow crops, and everything goes well for you, be careful not to forget the Lord your God. How easy is it to forget God when we have an abundance of things, when life gets busy and distracted and full of everything else, when we think we we have enough and we've made it by the own work of our hands, all of a sudden God seems to fade to the background. And so God calls Israel out and says, when you inherit all these things, when you receive all these good things, even though they're a gift from me, I know what's in your heart and I'm afraid you're going to forget me. Welcome to another episode of the Bible and Life podcast. My name is John, and I'm so glad you're joining me on this episode. Here on the Bible and Life, we like to give what I call blue jeans theology. That is theology for everyday life, uh, theology that's rooted in everyday life, theology that's expressed and explained in the language of everyday life. So if you are new, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode of the, of the show. And this particular episode is brought to you by Core Training for Christians, which is my program for churches providing online digital resources for the sake of discipleship and spiritual growth. It's being used for leadership development. It's being used to help new Christians become growing Christians. It's being used to help mature Christians disciple new and young Christians. And so if you're a pastor or a church leader and you're looking for some online resources for the sake of discipleship and spiritual growth, you can swing on over to my website and check out the church subscription page. It's Core Training for Christians, helping Christians grow in their faith using online video courses. All right, let's jump into this episode. We are in the middle of a little series where we're just looking really at Jesus' relationship to the Bible and how that ought to inform our relationship to the Bible as his disciples, as his followers, right? Disciples imitate their master. Since we're disciples of Jesus, we imitate him. And Jesus, he was rooted in the text of Scripture. His life overflowed with Scripture. You ask him a question, and he would either directly quote Scripture, allude to Scripture, tell a story that grew out of Scripture. The the language and imagery of Scripture just flowed out of him. Jesus was a man of the text. And thus, as his followers, as his disciples, we need to be people of the text as well. And so that's really the heart behind this little series that we've been on about our need for Scripture is really our need to imitate our master, Jesus, as his disciples. And one of the more well-known passages about the Word of God that comes out of Jesus' mouth occurs very early on in the Gospels, very early on in Jesus' ministry. In fact, right at the beginning, before he actually formally even starts his ministry, Jesus says these words. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4 says, But he, Jesus, answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, the context for these words, as I said, is the very beginning of Jesus's ministry. In fact, Jesus has just been baptized by John the Baptist. 
then he's led into the wilderness to be tested and tempted by the devil. And he fasts for 40 days. And so 40 days of fasting, praying, this is how Jesus began his ministry. He didn't immediately go on a big launch campaign for his ministry. He first went away for a month and a half to pray and to fast and to seek the Lord and prepare himself for uh, his ministry. And so here's Jesus out in the wilderness being tested and tempted while he's fasting for 40 days. And no doubt Matthew in telling us this, wants us to hear echoes of the Exodus story, where God delivered Israel from Egypt. And you can read about it in the book of Exodus, right? Exodus simply means departure or leaving. And Israel had been enslaved in Egypt for several centuries. And now God has come to them, heard their prayers. He's going to deliver them out of Egypt, and he's eventually going to lead them into the promised land. But what happens is uh, Israel, in a profound lack of faith and obedience and faithfulness to the God who rescued them from Egypt, um, basically says, no, 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 the land is too full of giants, land is too full of walled cities, there's no way we can uh, take the land. And so in their lack of confidence in God, uh, they rebel, they disobey. And so God says, fine, you can live as nomads wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And so Israel wanders in the wilderness for 40 years. Do you hear the echo? Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days. Israel is in the wilderness for 40 years. Not only that, uh, the the gateway into their wilderness experience was through water, through the Red Sea, and Jesus is baptized through water. Into the wilderness he goes. Israel is in the wilderness, and they are being tested and tempted while they're in the wilderness, and Jesus is in the wilderness being tested and tempted. Uh, So no doubt Matthew Uh, The gospel writer wants us to hear echoes of the Exodus story and Israel's experience in the wilderness with Jesus going into the wilderness to fast and pray for 40 days. And Matthew sets that up by saying he's there in the wilderness and he's going to be tested and tempted. In fact, the passage that Jesus quotes from here in Matthew 4.4 is actually from that very context. The the passage Jesus quotes from when he says, He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Well, that's from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. And the context of Deuteronomy 8, 3 is important. In fact, one of the real important things you should do is whenever you're reading the New Testament and you come across an Old Testament quote in the New Testament, it's helpful to look up the Old Testament passage and kind of read it in its context and figure out what is its point in its original context. How does that point show up then in its New Testament context, right? Well, that means we should go back to Deuteronomy chapter 8 and check out the context of what's going on. And in Deuteronomy 8, Um, the author of Deuteronomy, Moses, is recounting how Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and how God led them into the wilderness to test them so that he could see what was in them and 
know what was really in their heart. And so their wilderness experience was a testing experience. Let me read you Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. It says this, Now the whole commandment I command you today, says Moses, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Notice that, that it's God who has led them in the wilderness. And you need to remember that God's led you in the wilderness. And here's why. Here's the purpose why God led them in the wilderness. Next phrase. In order to, or in order that, he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Notice that God led Israel in the wilderness uh, to test them, to humble them, which in this context seems to have an educational purpose, like to, to humble them so that he could see what was really in them and know what was in their heart, whether they would keep his commandments or not. So, so there was a divine purpose behind the wilderness experience. Yes, it grew out of Israel's rebellion and faithlessness and the fact that they didn't trust God to lead them into the promised land. But God took that and used it for an educational experience so that Israel might be tested and God himself might know what was in their heart. Now, verse 3, which is the one that Jesus quotes, says this, And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you didn't know what it was, nor did your fathers know what it was. And here's again the purpose statement, that he might make you know, cause you to know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. That's the verse that Jesus quotes. Notice the context. It's recalling the wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And it's uh, in the context of God testing and teaching Israel so that they, they it might be obvious what's in their heart. What, will they keep his commandments or not? And God gave them manna in an, in an, and again, an educational experience that they might know, that he might cause them to know that man doesn't live by bread alone. When he says man, he means humanity. It's Adam in Hebrew. It means humanity. That humans don't live by bread alone, but they, they, they live by everything, every word that proceeds out of the mouth that comes from the Lord. And then he goes on and says, your clothing didn't wear out. Your foot didn't swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. That's really uh, a helpful read just to go back and realize, oh, that's what we're talking about. That here's Israel in the wilderness. Um, they are there because of their rebellion, and God is using that to humble them, to test them, to refine them, to see what's in their heart. Are they going to be faithful or not? And we know the story. They're not faithful. They're disobedient in the wilderness, right? Like their whole wilderness experience is marked by their disloyalty and disobedience to Yahweh, their distrust of Yahweh. Um, and so God's hope is that by giving them manna, they're going to learn that uh, humans 
need more than food for life. Like all flesh needs bread, needs food for life, right? Like that's the imagery of bread is physical sustenance. All flesh needs bread or food for life. But humans, well, we need more to have life. We need more than just food to have life. Why? Because we're more than just a body. We're a spiritual being. And so we need everything, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We need God's guidance for life. We need his instructions and his wisdom. We need his promises. We need everything that proceeds from the mouth of God. As Chris Wright says, one of my favorite Old Testament scholars, actually in his commentary on Deuteronomy, quoting, uh, commenting on Deuteronomy chapter 8, Chris Wright says, For while bread will keep us alive physically, it is the word of God that uniquely gives human life its meaning, shape, purpose, and value. We need everything that proceeds from the, the mouth of God. We need God's guidance, God's instruction, God's wisdom, God's promises for our life to actually be real life, deep life, human life, a life with meaning, purpose, value, the very life God designed us for. Humans are not going to have a life if all they have is physical nourishment, physical food, physical sustenance. Humans need more to have a life. We need everything that proceeds from the mouth of God. And in fact, if you keep reading Deuteronomy chapter 8, God goes on and says what I quoted at the beginning or alluded to at the beginning of this podcast, that you're going to settle in this land. My fear is that all of a sudden you're going to have homes, you're going to have vineyards, you're going to have crops, you're going to have herds, you're going to have flocks, and you're going to forget the Lord your God. You're going to think all that, that physical, tangible stuff is everything you need for life when what you really need is the Word of God. That yes, you need physical nourishment, but that that's not enough. Man doesn't live by bread alone. He needs more than that. It's not that he doesn't need bread. He doesn't need bread alone. Yes, we got to take care of ourselves physically, but to really have life, genuine human life, we need every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So now back to Matthew chapter 4. Here's Jesus in the wilderness. He's been fasting and praying for 40 days. The devil comes to him and tempts him and says, look, if, not doubting, but the if in Greek is actually an if that means since. And so since you are the son of God, you know, and you're hungry, turn these bread, these stones into bread. And how is Jesus going to respond? Is he going to, is he going to say, yes, all that I really need is food? Is he going to be faithless to Yahweh like Israel was faithless in their wilderness experience? Is he going to disobey Yahweh like uh, Israel disobeyed Yahweh? And it's apparent to me, at least, that Jesus has been meditating on the Exodus account. He, he knows he's sort of recapitulating the Exodus story because he quotes from Deuteronomy 8 here. He quotes again from um, Deuteronomy in the next passage. He's meditating on the, on Deuteronomy and on the Exodus experience on Israel, he knows he is really capturing up Israel's story and bringing it to its, its culmination point. So he's meditating on this. Is Jesus going to be faithless like Israel uh, in the wilderness? Or is Jesus going to be faithful? And the difference is Jesus is faithful where Israel was faithless. And so 
Jesus responds with all the knowledge of the Exodus story, with all the knowledge of Israel's faithlessness, not only in the Exodus, but even over the course of their history and how these words in Deuteronomy 8 came true, that they did forget the Lord their God when they settled into the promised land, and they were unfaithful to him. And Jesus, knowing this story, knowing what's going on, knowing his vocation before God to take the story of Israel to its divinely intended culmination point and bring the blessing of Abraham to the world, knowing all of that. As he meditates on um, Deuteronomy, he says to the devil in response to the temptation, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus, here he is in the world. So remember, he doesn't have a backpacker's Bible, right? They didn't have backpacker's Bible in Jesus' day. They had large scrolls, and those scrolls are in the synagogues. So why, does, why is Jesus able to quote this passage? Why is he able to be meditating on this story? Because it's, it's in his mind. It's in his heart. He's memorized it. He's absorbed it. He's soaked it in. And he, he knows bread is necessary, but bread alone is not necessary. I need more than that. And right now, I am being nourished by my heavenly Father. I am learning to be faithful to him in the wilderness. And that faithfulness is going to carry me through the next three and a half years, all the way up to Gethsemane, all the way up to surrendering to get to the Father's will in Gethsemane. Not my will, but yours be done. All the way up to and through the cross and out the other side to resurrection. Jesus is going to be faithful because his life is rooted in the word of God. He has real true, obedient life that comes from God because his life is saturated with and rooted in the text of Scripture. Jesus fed his soul on God's word. Jesus fed his soul on everything that proceeded from the mouth of the Lord. And we, as his disciples, we need to feed our soul on God's word, like Jesus fed his soul on God's word. And the best way we can do that is simply by reading and studying and absorbing and meditating on the scriptures. So, in fact, sociological studies have shown that reading the Bible one day a week, negligible response on a person's character, a person's worldview, and a person's life. Two times a week, a little baby, a little blip on some of that. Three times a week, you begin to see maybe a little bit, a little bit, you know, of a kind of a minor blip on their worldview, their 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 character, and all that. But when people read the Bible at least for or interact with in some way, it doesn't it? It could be even including church where they're thinking through Scripture and they're studying Scripture. Although sometimes a lot of sermons in church don't always do that very well. So interacting with Scripture at least four times a week massive impact on a person's worldview, mindset, emotional maturity, and all of that. Just just taking in the Word of God uh, at least four times a week. Why the impact of, of someone feeding their soul on the Word of God four times a week? Because your soul needs nourishment, and the nourishment for your soul is everything that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. So if we are going to have a life, a real life, true life, faithful life, deep life, overflowing human life like Jesus had, we need to feed our soul like Jesus fed his soul. And the way we do that is we absorb, take in, 
the Word of God. So what's your plan for doing that? Do you have a plan? Because it's not going to happen if you don't have a plan. The most important things in life get crowded out by the urgent things of life unless we plan to do the most important things of life. So what's your plan? Do you have a plan to engage with the Bible more often than not, which means at least four times per week? Do you have a plan to feed your soul? Or is your soul starving, like malnourished, shriveled up? Like if, if your soul had a physical form, would it look emaciated because it's never being fed? Um, what's, what's the state of your soul and what's your plan to feed your soul? In the midst of our life where we have homes and yards and cars and jobs, where we can go on vacations and we have all the thanks, may we not forget the Lord our God. May we feed our soul on the riches of his word that we might have life and life abundantly. Hey, thanks for tuning into the Bible and Life podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. As always, this is a listener-supported show, so thanks a ton to each and every one of you who makes the Bible and Life possible through your generous support, either through my Patreon page, which you can check that out if you want to become a patron of the Bible and Life. You get some bonus perks like extra podcasts and uh, access to some of my courses at a discount or even free. So you can check that out or through World Family Mission uh, where all donations are tax deductible through there. So thanks a ton to each and every one of you who makes this ministry possible. And if you're feeling super crazy and you want to be a supporter of the show, check out either the Patreon page or check out World Family Mission and support this ministry. God bless you guys. May you have a week full of grace and peace in the Holy Spirit. I'll talk to you again next week.